0: ah yes there is the music episode 33 cool button hockey podcast is underway mr craig button is still in winnipeg because he loves it so much did you go down and have a hot chocolate at portage in maine this morning before we tape the podcast.
1: Well, I mean, in Celsius, it's like minus 38, which is pretty much close to Fahrenheit, which is right around there. So, no, I didn't go to Portage in Maine to get hot chocolate. Like, he, Listen, I talk about the cold. I can handle the cold. But there's a there's a degree of cold. You just stay inside.
0: Yeah. Jets were cold in Boston. Well, no, they weren't.
1: They were good. The Jets were really good in Boston on Sunday. I'm going to disagree with you there. Okay. I'll tell you what. No, in Pittsburgh on Sunday, not Boston. That was Saturday. Like Tristan Jari was unbelievable. The Winnipeg Jets outchanced them, had quality chances. Kyle Connor could have had six or seven goals if it wasn't for Tristan Jari. And then they get a lucky break on the captain and goal, and then a real sloppy play by Hellebuck that leads. And it's 2-2 within nine seconds. And, you know, to me, the Winnipeg Jets played a really strong game, third game in four days, back-to-back. And Tristan Jari was the difference for the Pittsburgh Penguins because if, if it wasn't for Tristan Jari, it's four or five nothing after the first period for the Jets. That's how good they were. And there's nights when you play so well and you don't get rewarded. They got one point. Could they have got two? Yeah, they could have. But nah, I'm not saying the Jets were cold. Not in Pittsburgh, they weren't.
0: So I'll give Jari his credit. That one sequence where Jari and Hellebuck each made great saves back to back was it, it was an exciting game. Um, let's talk about cold for. Jets in, in Boston and clutchness, like up to nothing penalty, late power play goal, you know, being clutch, whether you believe in the phrase or not matters. And sometimes teams just find a way to lose. At least the capitals at the beginning of the year, when they didn't win, they still ended up getting points. And for the Jets, they're leaving points on the table. Craig finishing fifth. I don't think is it's a scary proposition for the Jets. Fourth is, probably a wild card spot. There's just too many close teams in the West. And I look at Dave Lowry and I think I see what Paul Maurice felt at times that they're so good. They're just good enough to keep losing. And that, and that's what I'm saying about the jets. And I think they'll be left out in the cold. I, I don't think they're top eight in the West as they're constructed right now. I really don't. Okay, that's
1: fair enough, and and time will see. But like you know, what if you if you're gonna if you're gonna lose points like they did in Boston, better to do it to an Eastern Conference team. Yep. February is going to be a February is going to be the the month, the make or break month for the Winnipeg Jets. They're they're playing in the West, they're playing in their division, and th- and that's where they can uh, try to uh, get their game back in order. I mean, they had a coaching change. Dave Lowry has come in there. They've had the COVID issues, just like just like other teams. That's not an excuse, right? But I think Mark schifley's back playing on top of his game. You know, obviously losing Oilers is, is, is a challenge, but I, th- this is going to be their their, breaker, their make or break month. Is going to be February, so let's just wait and see what's happened. And you're right. You know what? You can't keep talking about we played well enough to win and you didn't win. They, they, they got to find a way to win, and they got to find a way in those situations to 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 capitalize and 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 not capsize. <laughs> and that's it. that's the key for the Jets. But I still, I I think they have a good team. I think they have some good players. And I guess February, we'll see if I'm right or I'm wrong.
0: Yeah. Colorado, Nashville, St. Louis, Minnesota, you know, they're better than Dallas Winnipeg, but that might not be good enough. So Craig, it's late January. And normally our mindset, oh, the dog days of January, we're in the 40, 50 game mark, but we're behind now. We're obviously behind and I don't have to tell people why, So we're, we're literally at the halfway mark and scoring is up. We're almost at 6.10 goals per game. Uh, The save percentages uh, aren't as good as they were earlier in the year. Big picture. Now season one Oh five or year one Oh five season one Oh four. Where are you on? Let's say style of play. Like if you're Coley and Gary and bill, product here what you're seeing and watching the games are you enjoying like the columbus nashville remember we say columbus against nashville on a tuesday in november that's judging how good the league is what do you think big picture about the the product on the ice right now
1: well okay so one thing i'm going to add in here too i mean there's been over a thousand players used this year in the nhl because of because of covid so that's going to impact a lot of different areas of the game what what lineup you ice opportunities that teams are going to get uh, you know, with respect to scoring chances. And I mean, so that's helped the goal score, right? It's also put a dent in some of the, some of the teams and individual goaltender save percentages. That's, that's just reality of what's happened. Here's what I would say, given everything that's unfolded here really since the middle of December, I, I, I think the NHL can really hold their heads high and say, Hey, listen, we, we managed this probably as best as they could. And yeah, yeah, is it perfect? No, nothing's ever perfect. But when you when you can go through a period of time with this type of flux, with this type of uncertainty, with, you know, the ups and downs going on with the with the pandemic, I think the NHL and I think the teams have, have done a fantastic job. Hopefully, we're, we're moving in the right direction with respect to, you know, teams getting back to full health. You know, we we saw what's going to happen now with the NHL players not participating in the Olympics. It's great. You you got all that time now to to play games and make up, right? So that's February for a lot of teams, Steve, not just the Winnipeg Jets is going to be a a real telling time. But that's good. We hit March 1st, three weeks away from the uh, NHL trade deadline. Teams are going to have a really good opportunity to know exactly where they sit. So what I would say is I'm not expecting very much movement prior, if any movement prior to March 1st, because teams are are in that, hey, we still need to figure out what we are and what we need. And other teams still have hope, right? So, you know, you need buyers and sellers and you need some certainty uh, of whether you're a buyer or a seller. So I I think the NHL is like, you know, the scoring's great, the the back and forth is great you know, and the stars. I mean, what can you say? The stars, are, the stars are the stars. Like, you know, nobody, is there any star in the NHL that's disappointing?
0: Not that I see. No. And uh, late on Sunday, Jonathan Huberto had a great chance late against uh, Philip Grubauer. Had he scored and sent that game into overtime, he would have woke up this morning as the NHL's points leader so we have a, a log jam at uh, 58 and he's been un- unbelievable uh, getting better as he gets older as well like our buddy and we've talked a lot about Brad Marchand so at the top it's great to have a race i mean most of our lives, there hasn't been a race. We had a race the year that Jamie Ben won, which was great. We went into the third period, and three or four guys could have won. Yeah. Now it was it was only eighty-seven points, but eighty-seven was in on it. Tavares went into the third period; he was leading with eighty-six, and then Jamie Ben, I think, had a four-point period, and he w- won the Art Ross. And it is sexy, like to have you know goals and you know the fight for the Calder, the fight for you know. Look at Ovechkin; he was at twenty-seven. Kreider gets a hat trick; he gets to twenty-nine. Ove goes, yeah. He gets two. he gets to 29 drive was like, don't forget about me. He scores two goals. Like it's, it's your team can't always win. So we need other storylines for excitement and the wheel turns just like the song. So to me, it's saying we have a race for the goals. We have a race for the points. We have a race in the West for the playoffs. There needs to be a lot of pucks in play for excitement. And I think we have to think big picture. If you're only a fan of, you know, Philly and you're, upset. So you're like, I'm not watching anymore. You still miss a lot of good things. Your team can't be good all the time. And the Flyers have been mostly good since they entered the league for gosh sakes. So that's what I love is, I don't know if Huberto going to win. I don't know if McDavid and dry are going to wake up. They did on the weekend. I, I, I'm cheering for Ovi to, to lead the league in goals. Again, these things are what make hockey even more exciting. And, and that's what I look forward to. You mentioned February, February is our own tournament. I've seen the schedule and we, there, there's no oh we have a two monday night football's on so we only have two games on monday craig once we kind of hit that break we ever like we're gonna have to take a breath <sighs> it's march 1st what happened in february i i think that don't blink and miss february i think february is going to be as exciting a jam-packed schedule as we've had since we've come out of lockouts for gosh sakes
1: absolutely uh, i couldn't i couldn't agree with you more and the, the other thing i want to say you just talked about leon dreisaitl and I'm going to say this about Leon Dreissel. I've said it before, but, but it's so evident right now. It is so evident in his play, and not just this year, but, but I, I think Saturday night just put a stamp on it. You know, Edmonton Oilers fans through the uh, 80s, they had Gretzky, the best player in the game, and they had Messier. Messier, who drove things, who, who, who was a difference maker, who said, okay, I know we got Wayne here, but this is what we need tonight. Seidel is the Edmonton Oilers 2000 version of Mark Messier. He is that version of that guy. We know that McDavid is the most talented guy and, and everything. I don't think anybody would debate, but Leon Dreisaitl is a massive engine, German built, call him Mercedes, call him a BMW. All I know is he drives things for the Edmonton Oilers. He showed it on Saturday night.
0: He was on the Autobahn. And he's the heartbeat. Oh, the baby. Oh. He's the heartbeat. He, he, he is. A great analogy, great comparison. Bang on, bang on. And what the Oilers do, and it's, this is great because we're going to go by the order of the calendar. We're in January. We're talking about February hockey. <laughs> and then we're going to get into March. And we'll get into that after our friends at Sports Interaction because I think this deadline is going to be sensational. And I want to ask you about deadline dealing. Do you believe in them? Uh, it ties us into the New York Islanders who started the modern deadline deal. Like, What was it like for you at the deadline? All those types of things. I always poo poo the people that say deadline deals don't work. And blah, 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 blah. I say, oh, okay, well then tell the, the Penguins and Ron Francis and tell the Islanders and Bill Torrey and tell uh, the Blackhawks and what they, oh, okay, that's, that's fine. Kenny Holland and the Red Wings. And, you know, and just because it doesn't work in that year. People think Bork, yeah, they didn't win the first year with Bork. They needed the second year. So, but, 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 but I'll save that because as, as we get into February, is there anyone that gains an advantage or loses with all? Like, I, I look at the East, since we know our eight teams and you're jockeying for positions, I look at Tampa and say, they got to give Brian Elliott more time, right? They got to give Brian Elliott more time. Boston can sort out their goaltending situation because Rask is back. So they can, you know, do a Billy Smith, Glenn Chico rest rotation. Uh, maybe the Capitals as well. Jari's played great. Casey Desmith Smith is not. I wonder what Pittsburgh ends up doing. Uh, morazek has to play for Toronto. Spencer Knight was good in Vancouver, but it was depleted. They got to give him some time so they can play in the East. I don't know what they're doing in the West because if you lose those games, you know, you're in trouble. So does anyone gain an advantage? Is anyone in trouble when we get to February? You can't play a goalie four games in a row, Craig. You can't, if you're playing 16 games in a month, you have to spread things out. Is anyone up or down as it relates to the teeter-totter of the balancing act in a jam-packed sked?
1: Well, well so, so I, I think you have, to, you have to separate the East and the West because the East has eight teams, right? Like, I mean, we know who the eight teams are. I mean, barring some kind of unforeseen miracle, right, the eight teams that are in. So, so let's just talk about the East right now. So you talk about Toronto and Campbell and Razick. You talk about Boston. You talk about uh, Tampa Bay. You talk about Florida. Here's where it is. Those teams have have a unique opportunity, because it, it's clear what do we got to do. Who, who who are we going to match up against in 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 the playoffs? Right, like how, how's it going to look? Right, like and really, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna set up perfectly one to four in your division. So really, that's all you really got to do is is kind of, you know, there might be one little crossover, but 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 it really does kind of set up, you know, how it's going to be. So you, you you essentially know, OK, here's who our competition can be. Where do we where do we need to be? How do we strengthen our team? That's the other thing leading into the trade deadline. February can serve as a real good guy. And, and then I look at I look at cap room, and the New York Rangers are sitting there with cap space. <laughs> They're sitting there with cap space and they're sitting pretty in the standings. Like, you know, if I'm if I'm teams in the East, I'm going, what are the Rangers going to do? What are the Rangers going to do? Because they can do something tomorrow. (laughs) They can do something the day after a lot of the other teams it's, it's dollar in dollar out. It's I call it cap gymnastics, right? But the the Rangers don't have to do cap gymnastics. So they're the team to me that I think holds the power in the East. That's who I think holds the power in the East is the Rangers because of their cap space. But you, you know, how lucky can you be? You're, you're Florida. Okay. Well, well, we're first. We probably won't be worse than second. Could we fall the third? We're still, we still know we're playing either Tampa Bay or, or Toronto you zero right in all like my scouting right there. You're I'm, that's who we're watching. Tell me everything we can take advantage of everything. Okay. We come back I and mean, minute. What could help us, you know, deal with this? What, what's our weakness? I would do you know what I'd be doing. I would be having a scout scout my team. If I'm in Florida, if I'm Bill Zito or I'm Julian Breezeball, I would ask one of our scouts, you're scouting our team. Scout our team like you're an opponent and tell us what our weaknesses are. Tell us how you're going to take advantage of us. That's what I'd be doing for the next six weeks, five weeks. So I like that. that. And then I'm going to be scouting the other, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm Bill Zito. I'm scouting Tampa and Toronto. That's our first round matchup. That's where the perils are right off the bat. You better get through that first round and I'm zeroing right in there. Pro scouts, that's where we're at. Get in there.
0: I love it. Watch the rest of the league. (laughs) I I love it because you need to, as we've you know, quoted the godfather Lulamarello. You, you know, you need the one-year plan, the three-year plan, the five-year plan, the six-month plan, and be ready to change your plan at any given moment. So (laughs) and when you have an idea of the plan, uh, and I'll tease that you brought up the Rangers. Um when we get into the trade deadline, as we go in chronological order, <laughs> two, two big players that have been rumored, um, I don't know if they can get them both, uh, but they could get one. Maybe they could get them both with the cap space. So we'll tease that for Ranger fans. Tell me the guys. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you wait. In terms of the format, I was thinking about this the other day because we know more because we follow it more than the fan who says, why is that face off inside? Well, we've kept that shot off the post or shot over the net inside for years now oh i did not know that or you know there's a there's a option for a coach you know uh, with Sidney crosby in the box whose penalty starts first so and we talked about that with dave jackson about who comes out of the box. like little things that you go i did not know that a five minute major you don't have to put anybody in the box but if the clock runs five minutes you play shorthanded till there's a whistle i did not know that like there's enough there to make hockey fans go oh i did not know that so when we talk about rules and stuff and I want to get into one a bit later in the show, I talk about playoff format. So people are like, what's the format again? Like what happens? And I'll use the example. Toronto bottoms out Boston and Toronto finishes eighth in the East, which is fourth in their division. Carolina wins the East. Toronto then jumps over and jumps into the Metro and plays Carolina in a 1-4 that's also a 1-8. For argument's sake, the Capitals are wild card two. They then play the second best team in the conference, which is Tampa Bay. Washington and Toronto switch places. They stay in those divisions now all the way through to the conference final. People need to be reminded of that because sometimes we forget we haven't had a normal playoff. Do you like that format? Does that make sense? Let me say this. What happens if Toronto and Carolina, or Toronto and Washington, each win their first-round series? They are the now seven and eight teams, right? They're the now seven and eight teams. In a one-eight format, we kind of reseed. But because we like the brackets so much, we keep them moving forward to sell the NHL's bracket format. Are you a fan of that, Craig? Is that the best thing moving forward? People haven't talked about the playoffs in a while because we've seen two different playoffs. So if, I'm going to answer
1: that question: Is if you give me the allowance to talk about that five-minute major, not, not not having to be served, because I got a story for you. Sure. Part. Yeah. It, what format do you want? Do you want bracket f- format, or do you want, or do you want uh, uh, receding format? It just I depends what received. format. I want okay, receding. So, so so do I. So do why? And the reason I want receding is because I want my best teams being at the end. I don't want my best teams at the beginning, right? And it's the same reason I would go one to eight and I'd go two, seven, three, six, four, five. That's how I would do it. You know I, I like I, like I'd get away from the whole thing right And then you know, after the first round, okay, the highest seed gets get the way it goes, like that's how the NFL does it. That's how the NFL does it. They don't they, they don't get into a bracket and everything. It goes to reseeding. I like reseeding, But if you want bracket, you know, this is what you get. Right? And, like, you know, some people say this is the best way to do it. Right? The one thing I've always disagreed with, and I have always disagreed, you talk about, wow, we want to have regional, uh, you know, uh, competition because, you know, that, that's how you get playoff rivalries. No playoff rivalries are built off of games – how did Colorado and Detroit become a great playoff rivalry? How did Dallas and Edmonton become a great playoff rivalry? It did And I know there's been other rivalries of division play. It's, it, but th- th- there's different ways to have division th- to have rivalries. And the playoffs do bear that out in a lot of ways. Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills look like now they're a like they're an, they're a football rivalry, right? Like who would have thought that uh, the Kansas City and Buffalo could do that, right? But at the same time, You know, I I like the receiving. I want my best teams to have the best opportunity to proceed. That's what I want. Now, the the argument can be well, we have it with bracketology. Yeah, maybe you do, maybe you don't.
0: And and I know Gary loves it. And when he's come on our show, Bruce will tell you, the producer of this show and the power play, you know, it's a non starter, at least right now. You almost need something to happen. You almost need a team to finish, and you're better with the numbers, sixth in the central missed the playoffs because two 500 teams in the Pacific made it. You know what I mean? Like it's almost, you, you need a, you need a, are you, you need the jets and stars to go. I'm better than the ducks. I'm better than the Kings. I'm better than the sharks. And one of those teams got in, you know, it probably won't work with the the two team in a division. It could work with the third and it could work this year. Like it could. And and that's where we'd say, and, and that's where I'm saying, under any format I do really believe the playoffs will be great like I I do it's about fairness and making it better so in our format Washington and Toronto are in the other divisions and they each win as a wild card team Tampa is now the highest seed left they get Washington in the second round and they're saying to themselves no 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 we are the highest seed left we should get Toronto in the next round not Washington but they won't Because that's what happens when you don't reseed, And it opens the door for a whole bunch of... And people say they like that. I don't. I want to say, the regular season, I got something. I got this card that says, I won my division. I'm seeded, you know, let's say two. Which means if the one seed gets knocked out, I'm now the highest seed. I want to play this card. I want to play this left bower. But I can't. And that just makes me think... You know, and people say, well, it's like the smite division. And they'll go, yeah, yeah. I'd rather the Oilers and Flames met in the final of the conference, not in the second round. And, and I get it. And, and, and it doesn't matter now. And people are, are not thinking playoffs. Coolie, are you kidding me? I'm just trying to make the playoffs in, in the West. I get it. It's just something to think about. And watching the football and the games were great. And you got me going on. That's yeah, it's the NFL playoffs. I'll watch. It is a travesty in my mind that you can flip a coin Run thirteen seconds and end a game. How they don't play fifteen or ten full minutes and say we're playing ten minutes. So doesn't matter who wins the coin toss. We flip. Okay, start. So the game should be still on nine fifty three in overtime, and the Chiefs have to kick to the Bills, and they play, and then maybe the Bills go down. They kick a field goal. The Chiefs come back. They stop them. Then the Bills go down, and it's late, and it's late, and they get a touchdown. Could you imagine? Like, could you imagine ending a playoff game? Like. And I thought to myself, if I make one tweak to our three on three overtime p- format, I could argue that when a team has the puck in the offensive zone, they can't carry it out. They can't carry it out. So when you're in, you're in. Because you know what happens now, Craig? We carry it out, we loop, and we've diminished the three on three excitement because guys just wait and wait and wait. And fans are starting to boo a little bit. If there's one tweak to our three on three, you know, fantasy overtime, so Makar has the puck. He's in over the line. He goes around the net. He's got ranked in front. He's got McKinnon. Ah, he doesn't like it. He comes out. No, 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 no. He can't come out. He's got to stay in. That's my mini tweak. Once you gain the blue line, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, try it in the American League. Try it in the American League. Uh, I'm more advocating for a seeding playoff format. I, I, that matters more to me. Okay, so, so, uh, so what
1: I'd like, here's what I'd like. I, I, wanna, I want you to try to end up on the winning side on Sports Interaction this week. That's what I would like to see you try.
0: Time now for KB on ice and inside look at the NHL brought to you by our good friends at sports interaction. Craig sports interaction is Canada's sports book. Once a week, you rub your hands. <laughs> it's during this segment because I, I know what you're, it's like a guy at the craps table saying, come on, 7, come 11, 7, come that's how you feel playing me head to head in sports interaction. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, but Sports Interaction provides some really good
1: information for you to make calculated uh, decisions. And So I'm going to give you three, Steve, real quick. Flyers at home, they beat the Dallas Stars. There's no way they can keep losing. I'm going Flyers at home versus the Stars. Rematch, 2018 Stanley Cup Final, Golden Knights-Caps. I'm taking the Caps at home over the Golden Knights. And to finish off the night, St. Louis, third game in four days on the road against Cal- calgary played good saturday night the goaltending wasn't all that great penalty killing wasn't all that great i'm taking the flames at home versus the blues
0: i like that and i also like that i'm not going head to head with you because i'm going in another direction to avoid <laughs> oh, of you of course you are i'm, I'm avoiding <laughs> you uh i'm gonna take the boston bruins uh, so much for brad marchand being out an extended period of time i guess the ice bag worked uh They can't lose right now, Boston. Down 2-0 to Winnipeg. They come back. That says something about the Jets, I'm sorry, and the Boston Bruins. Bruins at home to the Ducks, who are going to start a knock-us-out-of-the-playoff road trip. When they get back home, they will be OOP out of the playoffs. Boston wins tonight at home. Give up the pucks. Uh, Rangers and Kings. The Rangers are doing everything they can to just win. 3-1 Arizona. I'm watching a bit of that game. I look up, and then there's Chris Kreider hat trick. Is Chris Kreider going to score 50 goals? I don't know, but the Rangers beat the Kings tonight, Craig. Okay, good. Why would you bet against Chris Kreider scoring 50 goals? He's on pace.
1: He's right there with it, 29 through, through half the season. Why would you bet against Chris Kreider?
0: Why would I bet against Craig Button? Check out all the odds, props, and totals at SIA.com, SIA.com, and sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool to place your bet. Sports Interaction is Canada's sports book. Mr. Craig Button, you and I have sat on the desk many a day <laughs> in and around trade deadline. You've been involved in many jobs, whether it's at TSN, the score, us together, that's hockey tonight, and of course you know, as an executive and uh, Stanley cup champion, in uh, 1999. So I'll ask question one, do you believe trade deadline dealing works? There's a theory out there that some people think it doesn't, but I'm opening the door to you. Okay. So, so, so what are you trying to affect
1: with a trade deadline? And what are you trying to do? You're trying to improve your team. Isn't that what you want? There's only one team that wins, Steve. So yeah, no kidding. Like you're gonna look back at it and like 17 teams made a move and it didn't work for 16 of them. I I get it. Like, But everybody, that's a competitive nature of it. That's a competitive nature of sport. And it's wonderful that teams are trying to look at that. I'll share a story with you. 1999 trade deadline, we're in Dallas. We loved our team. I mean, we were we, we won the President's Trophy in 98. We had Brett Hall in the summer of 98. You know, we made some moves at the beginning of the year to add some depth. And, you know, we're, we're going down. Our team's good. Our team's really good. Like, I mean, we're, we're, we're President's Trophy winners again, like on, on track to that. And we're looking at it. And do we need to? No, nah, we like our team. and But we know Colorado and Detroit are looking to do things. And we're watching. And could this player help us? Could Wendell Clark help us? Could Dale Hunter help us? Like, we're looking at all these things. Well, anyway, we, 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 we decide that we're, we're not going to make any moves because we like our team. We think our team is strong enough. Well, we, we see uh, the Colorado Avalanche uh, add uh, Dale Hunter. <laughs> and we kind of go, ooh. And then we see the uh, Detroit Red Wings add Wendell Clark. And we go, ooh, right? I remember we're sitting in Bob Gainey's office, and Bob's sitting there and goes, oh, maybe we should have done something. And I, and I said it. I said to Bob, I said, Bob, we believe in our team you know, we, 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 we didn't get to this point trying to chase it. We really believe in our team and we didn't make a move. So we can't, it's past. We can't do anything about it. And he takes his hand he slaps it on us. He goes, you're right. We have a good team and we're more than capable of winning with what we have. And we did. <laughs> so sometimes, sometimes you, it's not that you don't contemplate making moves. You're not like you're trying to strengthen yourself. And, and Bob did say this about Dale Hunter and uh, Wendell Clark. He said, that's our competition in Colorado and Detroit. And those are real players. Those are players that get your attention. Those are players that can unsettle you and upset <laughs> what you're trying to do. And like, I mean, they weren't at the same level of play as they were in their prime. But Bob knew what 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 Detroit and Colorado were trying to do. But we handled
0: it. I love that. I love those stories. Uh, it's in your wheelhouse, of course. Ours as well. Because, you know... We look at so many different moves over the years that helped. And we talk about Butch Goring being the, the, the grandfather of trade deadline dealing and when it meant first, he didn't want to leave L.A., went to the Islanders, and obviously it was the best thing for him uh, personally and, and professionally. There's a lot of rumblings about the Rangers. You said earlier in the podcast about cap space. There's a JT Miller buzz. Uh, Jacob Chikrin is out there. A lot of teams apparently kicking tires who've got the assets, who've got the players. Uh, who've got the cap space and everything else. So, you know, I imagine Marc-Andre Fleury, imagine him in Washington if he decides to make that move and they play Pittsburgh. Uh, We talk about what the Rangers might do. Ben Chirot's in play. Kessel's in play. Giordano's in play. John Klingberg, I think, is going to be in play. Like, Craig, this is going to be a sexy deadline. Can you connect the dots of any player to a certain team? Is it too early? Take us inside the the situation rooms of these teams as they're they're having the conversations you did with Bob Ganey. What, what's going on in those rooms right now?
1: Well, I mean, what you're trying number one, the first, the, the, the primary focus is your team and how you strengthen it to, to a greater extent. That's your, that, so like the New York Rangers aren't talking about Mark Andre Fleury. I mean, I, I know I'm stating the obvious, right. But, but I mean, but, but they aren't. Teams that are looking at trying to get a boost in their goaltending, you know, they're going to talk about Mark Andre Fleury. Teams that are looking for a Ben Schwartz type defenseman, right? They're the one. Not every team is like the Tampa Bay Lightning aren't looking to Ben Schwartz I don't believe because you know they they have Hedman and they have McDonough and they have Sergachev and they have Charnec and they have Rudy, right? Like you know, I, I I guess you could say they go and get them, but like I, I you know, to me that wouldn't be an area where they're looking to. Uh, as an area of like weakness and everything. Oh, well, maybe they should be looking at Ben Sherratt. And, you know, cause I think that that's so, so that's where you start to look at it. Jacob Chikrin, And just to touch on this a little bit, I think is a different situation because the uh, Arizona coyotes don't have to trade them. Number one, they know number two, that they have a really, really good player. there, a really valuable player. So they're open to anybody that wants to make a deal with them, whether it be a team that's not going to be in the playoffs that wants to add Jacob Chikrin and the Arizona Coyotes can go and get draft picks or prospects. They're wide open on Jacob Chikrin. I don't think, I don't, yeah. Other team would, would any, any team should be interested in Jacob Chikrin. Right. But it, it's not just limited to the, to the playoff teams. It, it, it just isn't. And, you know, when you have a player that good with that contract, you're the Arizona coyotes. You can't just keep getting, you can't just keep saying we're going to get a first round draft pick and we're getting prospects. I mean, when are the Arizona coyotes planning on being competitive? 2028. Like, give me a break. Like, you know, so, so that, you know, that's where Bill Armstrong has to balance it out and work through it. And, and I get that as well, but you know, identify your own weaknesses, identify what you're at and then who can fill those. And then what's the cost. That's what trade deadlines about. That's yeah. what that's what Bill Torrey did. Bill Torrey looked at it and said, what has given us problems? Why have we been knocked out? What can take some of the pressure off of Ryan Trottier? Who's the player that can fit into there? And, and you mentioned names. There might be other players that we don't even realize. But The easy thing to do is, oh, here's here's the trade bait board on free agent deadline day. And, and it's UFA, 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 UFA. Well, sometimes you might have to look outside the UFA's who can be a really good player with contract and come in and help your team at the right price. That's where the Rangers, that's where the Rangers to me have like, to me, they're the power broker in the, in the East because of their cap space.
0: It'd be sexy. If it would be, if Fleury went to Washington, if Kessel went to Pittsburgh uh remember Bork when he went he had term left they didn't win the cup the first year with Colorado they won the second so it was about having you know Chelios give me not just one run give me a guy there might be a guy out there that's got Uh a two and a half year contract left and a man like that this is where you know Craig managers don't go to bed and this is kind of where you earn your stripes you mentioned Bill Torrey
1: okay let me just go back to a quick just quickly I know look at what Julian Breesbaugh did he traded for Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. They had term left on their contract. I mean, were they names that were mentioned out? No, nope. no, 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 they weren't. They weren't mentioned in any way, shape or form. I really felt last year that the Toronto Maple Leafs should have gone after Miles Wood. Miles Wood with contract left on a speedy winger, heavy winger. That to me is where you go. Well, he's not an unrestricted free agent. Okay, good. So go and get an unrestricted free agent. Doesn't mean you got a better player.
0: I think that's a brilliant point by you and it uses the Tampa example about give us a couple kicks at the cat where it's possible and be creative. So I guess that's what Bill Torrey was in many ways in his day to bring in Butch (laughs) Goring and the rest is history. We talk about the Anders these days and the heyday because of the passing at just 67 of Clark Gillies. Mm. Uh, When I think of Clark Gillies, I think of the Terry O'Reilly, April 19th. Unbelievable. O'Reilly, the lefty. Gillies, um, the playoffs and, you know, to beat the best, you got to beat the big boys. And it was a great era of hockey. The Islanders had lost, had lost and lost and finally started to win. And Gillies was such a, a big part of it. Uh, don't get him angry. My friends, if, if he wasn't having a good game, don't wake him up. Was the old line. Um, he was awake a lot, scored a lot <laughs> and was very physical. I mean, what a top line of our lifetime of Gillies, Trache and bossi.
1: Well, we talk about duels, what a trio. Just think about, and and, and they all had different elements. Like, you know, you had Gillies on the left wing, he could skate, he was powerful. I mean, can you imagine a defenseman coming, looking up and going, oh, there's Clark Gillies coming down on me. How am I going to defend him? Like, he was big, he was strong, he was aggressive, he was assertive, he was skilled, he could skate. So how am I going to play this guy? Because whatever one you picked, like, you know, I'm going to take uh, door number three, I'm going to play him. On, he skated by you or he overpowered you. You yeah, had Trotche in the middle, the great two-way centerman, anyway, you want, and then he had the, the brilliant goal scorer, Mike Bossy, who just knew how to play the game in every match. I mean, you talk about it, like, linked those three guys were linked. And, and, and it was just, I mean, you, it was the perfect, it was, they were, the, they were the perfect mix of three players with different styles that all made, you talk about one plus one plus one equals nine. It was exponential. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't addition. It was exponential, Like, right? And that's how good they were. You know, when you think about, and, and you think about that era, you talk about the O'Reilly Gillies fight, you think about the era was very different and people, uh you know going back and you look at it that, that's how it was played so either you either you had the uh the ability to stand up to it or, or you or you wilted and there was no wilting in clark Gillies' game there, there was zero wilting in his game and you know the comment about you know you know let him sleep clark Gillies never slapped it was just that like if you wanted to provoke him you know, a bear will move around through the woods, you know, doing its own thing. You want to provoke a bear? You're in trouble. And that's, what Clark Gillies was the proverbial bear. You know what he, he did his thing. He minded his, he minded his P's and Q's and, and played to his strengths. You want to provoke him? Oh boy, not a good idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. And younger people, I mean, by younger being, you know, late twenties into the early thirties, they like to say Tell me the story. Tell me about Tony Esposito. Tell me about the Summit Series or tell me about Clark Gillies and the Islanders. Like, give me, you know, give me a story. Give me these comparables about a, a power winger who was, you know, big and strong and did his thing. And, you know, in, in today's game, he'd be a first line left winger in every club and he's 30 goals and 60 plus points and he could fight, he could scare, he could do all those types of things. If he was available at the deadline, everybody would want him, you know. And the Islanders started in 72 and built almost perfectly, you know, through the draft, like bing, like they hit on everything. And then, you know, Potvin and Gillies and Trachi and Bossy, and then they lost and, and then they learned and then they tweaked and they looked at their roster. And I think of so many things because somebody said, the best time in your life is when you're 12 and you watch sports. Well, when I was 12, Tanelli, to he scores. Bob Nystrom scores the goal. The Islanders win the Stanley Cup. Jim Robson's call on that epic May afternoon day. You might not have loved the Islanders, but you respected them. And that was the beginning. Well, that was series four of what would be 19 in a row. And we talk about them and those guys because of the passing of of Clark Gillies, because it brings back a time in our lives that we respected the Islanders. So they did it right. They built Al Arbor holds a record of a coach who had a winning, who improved his record for six straight years. Like they just kept getting better. They just like everything with them. And he, they were all such a big part of it. And it was almost so much love that you, it almost, they couldn't really like each other that much. Could they, they did, they couldn't really build the club the way they, they did. And it's ownership to Torrey, to, uh, to um, Arbor. And I get it. It's just sad because you get older, meatloaf, Gillies, like it's, it's a part of such a big part of our lives, you know, too early. And then you think back to, and to me, 19 straight playoff series, man. Oh, you want to fight? We'll fight. You want to check? We'll check. You want to hit? We'll hit. Oh, you want to score? You want to ballerina Hit up? Okay. Boss, you'll <laughs> score 50 and 50. And, like, and it was just, you, you, you might not have loved them, but boy, you better respected them because they were a wow it team. And still maybe the best of all time. Like they're in that conversation of the fifties Habs, the eighties Oilers, the eighties Islanders, the set, like they're in that group of those teams, the 40 Leafs or whatever that are, you know, hard to pick. But when I think about it, I get I get nostalgic and I do get a little sad because a, a part of all of us is gone. Well,
1: you think about – I'm going I'm to say three things real quick here. And number one, those Islanders teams, okay, in four consecutive finals that they won the Stanley Cup, they lost a total of three games in those finals, including sweeping the Edmonton Orders in 1983. So let's – you know, they were they were dominant You know, secondly – you know, you look at the era from 1976 to 1990, it was three teams, there was three dynasties in there Montreal, the Islanders and the Oilers and I mean, and, and they all knew, I mean, the, the, the Canadians of the 70s knew the Islanders were coming, the, the Islanders of the 80s knew the Oilers were coming so when you talk about respect, they knew. Right, the like the, the best teams knew who the next team was coming, and, and that made it special too. And then the third thing you you talk, Jim Devellano was a huge part of their of their drafting, and they did seventeen players. Steve won four Stanley Cups wow. with the New York Islanders. Seventeen were on all four. Were on all four of those. So that tells you they, they they did have a brotherhood. They did have a family. And Al Arbor, you know, bless his soul. I mean, just such a wonderful, wonderful coach. But the other thing he did, and this goes back to Clark Gillies. Clark Gillies was big, and a lot of people would say, Oh, you got to fight. You got to do this. All Al Arbor said to all his players, and Clark Gillies said, Clark, you're big. You know what? Play to your strengths. I'm not going to ask you to run over anybody unnecessarily because you're big. Play your game, do your thing. And you're going to decide, and you, you, you're the one out on the ice that's going to have to make decisions based on what. But I'm not going to tell you because you're six foot four, 220 pounds, to go and do something just because you're that big. He, he let Clark Gillies be himself. He understood who his players were and he, he wasn't afraid to push them or whatnot. But Al, Al was just such, he, when we talk about coach father figure, I have never heard, I've talked to all like players that played during that era, players that played like, during that Stanley cup run players after. Right. I mean, when, when they talk about Al Arbor, I mean, it, they, they talk about him fondly as that father figure. And he was all of that. And, you know, it's a special team. And when you talk about 17 players that won four Stanley Cups, unbelievable. And, you know, to Clark Gilley's uh, wife and his children and his many, many Long Island friends. And, you know, he he will live forever in New York
0: Islanders lore. Well said, my friend. Well said. Final thoughts now brought to you by ultimate hockey fans, not a person or group of people. It's a product folks. This is a must for every hockey basement, or if you've got a bar, if you own a bar at your bar, uh, just go to ultimatehockeyfans.com forward slash cool button pod for your order, your discount, or for more information, Craig, I can picture you when you're back at channel nine, you're in the TSN hockey office. You're talking to your buddy, Steve Dryden there, and uh, you're sitting around planning shows. And above you, you got a TSN. They, they can make anything you want. Tell Steve Dryden to open up his wallet and get an ultimate hockey fan for the TSN hockey office, my friend. It would be a It'd beauty. Be, it would be a nice look, wouldn't it? We could, we could even put it up
1: there in Studio 6 and have it, like, sitting above <laughs> James Duffy's head as he hosts all the different panels, trade deadline, right, and everything. Who knows? Uh, possibilities are endless but uh, yes. certainly uh, some some nice options uh when you look at uh, what is available and the imagination is, is is open your own imagination can determine what you what you build and what you make
0: Yeah. Uh, the puck that Tampa Bay lightning puck that you see uh inside the flyer is beautiful remember you like the Sabres saber puck you like the red wings red wing puck ultimate hockey fans.com forward slash cool button pod you get our discount ladies and gentlemen order today Paul will take care of you. Okay, well that's the final thought segment so Craig you go first. Final thought for podcast 33 my friend we've covered a lot of ground a lot of ground on this chilly Winnipeg day.
1: Well, you know, the it, it is chilly in Winnipeg where I'm at. I don't you're, you're in the beautiful area of uh, eastern Toronto so I don't know what it's like there but he, here's what we know. You know, uh, NHL players not going to the Olympics but February shapes up. We're one week away from February. One week. We're got, we we we're just about done with January. It's hard to believe. But February now, I mean, we were all looking forward to the Olympics, right? Right? We were looking forward to it. But we don't. But I'll tell you what. We got drama. You touched on it earlier in the show. We got drama. We got all kinds of storylines individually, team-wise. February is going to be phenomenal. I'm going to tell you what the Wani Phil, you know, on February 2nd, I don't know what you, I don't care if you come out and see your shadow or you don't, or you tell us there's six more weeks of winter or not. We got hockey and hockey is going to be fantastic down the stretch into the playoffs.
0: It's groundhog day every day in February, not just February 2nd. It's right. It's going to be uh, no winter Olympics in terms of the best on best, but it's going to be phenomenal. My final thought is the penguins, Tristan Jari, just because he melted down last year, that, that doesn't mean what he is. Yes, we'll talk about him when the playoffs are here. He's been unbelievable. I, I can't believe he's been as good as he has been. Good for him. The mental part of bouncing back, he's done it. He's, he's not getting enough love around the league as far as the, the top goalies he should. He probably would have been on the Olympic team if he was playing. Like, if there was no price, you got Bennington, you probably have Jari going, I, I would think, as far as Canada is, was concerned. Uh, they won five in a row. They're 16 and 2 in their last 18. 16 and two in their last 18, and the game they lost in LA, Mike Sullivan was pissed off that he lost. The, like that's a team like, oh uh, yeah, we lost two in our last 18, but I'm pissed off about the two that we lost. Uh, I give hats off to the Penguins. Sid's hat trick the other day. Boy, oh boy, wouldn't want to play him in the first round. Wouldn't want to play him in the fourth round. They're an it team again, folks. And let's see what they do at the trade deadline, Mr. Button.
1: L- let me tell you this. Just I'm going to finish this this episode off. Tristan Jari. You know how long I've watched Tristan Jari for? Since he was 15 years old. Yeah, 11 years. When I first saw him play, 2011, at the Canada Games in Halifax, Nova Scotia. He was playing for Team BC. Sammy Reinhardt was on that team. Curtis Lazar was on that team. Shea Theodore was on that team. They won the gold medal at the Canada Games. They won the gold medal. And Tristan Jari won, Tristan Jari won the Western Hockey League Championship. He won, he, he won a Memorial Cup with the Edmonton Oil Games. It's a <laughs> he's a pretty good player. He's a pretty good goaltender. He's got a winning record. And I can say that, you know what? He had, he, he, he had a tough goal, especially the last three games versus the Islanders in the 2021. But, but he was a good goaltender last year. And you got to admire what he's been able to do coming back. And hey, listen, the faith Andy Kioto, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins goaltending coach, done terrific work with him. And Tristan Jari knows how to win.
0: Yep, he does. Uh, hats off the Islander organization thoughts with Clark Gillies and uh, kudos to John Tavares how he handled that return and his nice words that he said about uh, the Islanders and of course Clark Gillies as well that ladies and gentlemen is class that's it for now be well talk to you next time